1: Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds.
2: Right. And I know we're going to go over this again and again, and if there's two people that you want to listen to about this, I'm telling you right now, it, it's us, because because we're going to be raw and uncut. Oh! <laughs> What's up? It's Gabe Ramirez, Caitlin Sharkey in the building. This is 670 The Score, and we are broadcasting live from The Score Hyundai Studios. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Caitlin's looking at me crazy. It's Cinco de Mayo. Oh,
3: you scared. You scared no, me a no, little bit I'm not open, but I like the energy.
2: Oh, trust me, you're going to have a go at it in just a second. All right, let's go. So Cinco de Mayo, and I figured mm-hmm. if, if <laughs> the Puerto Rican guys on <laughs> 670 the Score, I got to shout out my Latinos that are out there. Yes. All right, so grito. You know, you have a few drinks in you, you feel good, you're excited about something. We're excited about the next couple of hours right here on 670 the Score. So that's where the grito came from. Oh. So. Yeah. I'm ready to get yours right now.
3: I'm ready. Oh, let's do it. I'm ready. I love Cinco de Mayo. Okay. I have not celebrated in a few years. We'll do a
2: shot of tequila after this. Okay, sounds good. All right, go ahead. Grito, hit me with it. I can't. No. no. Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. You, you I were, can't. No, no, no. You literally have to right now. <laughs> hit me with a Grito. I
3: can't. I, I can't a Grito. I know. It's grito. an attempt. It's an attempt. No.
2: Caitlin, don't <laughs> let me down here. We're homies. I
3: can't. My voice does not hit that level of... <laughs> No way. I, I will not have a voice for the rest the of the Italian, two hours. I need
2: the Italian.
3: Yeah, we don't greet, though, in Italian.
2: I'm sure you guys are, have some very good <laughs> at some point. All right. I'm going to get you to do one before the show's over. Maybe. I got to yeah, during I gotta commercial warm up to it. I got to warm up my voice, do we'll some you exercises. Some yeah. Thank, oh, you. Thank you. Oh, come on. Sons. We got Adam Staczynski running the show today, and he can read my mind with that boo right there
3: gotta be a good sport All right. if i had a few shots of tequila then you would get a greet though it's out of like me.
2: caitlin it's like when people can sing and you ask them to sing and they're like no
3: but i, I yeah but sing. i can't sing or greet though
2: oh i'm sure you can hit a high note like that anyways we'll get to it in a second uh <laughs> we do have a nice fast show for you guys uh 720 scott merkin is going to be joining us from mlb.com he is the white Sox beat writer we'll go over some cub socks with him 740 josh moser Sports Acre from WSVN in Miami is going to be joining the show so we can talk about whether or not Philadelphia is even going to win a game <laughs> in this series. And then last but not least, my co-host on Chalk Talk on BetQL Network Saturdays, 6 p.m. Central Time, Alex Gold is going to be joining the show. He is the host of Cody and Gold from 10 to 2 on 610 Sports Kansas City. So he'll be hanging out with us in just a little bit after that. All right, if you won't give me a grito, it is Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> you at least got to tell me like where your favorite tacos are in the city of Chicago.
3: Well, I feel like I haven't got a fair tour of the taco. All right, then what's your you go haven't to? taken me out for tacos? So I'm I'm waiting for. <laughs> wait to wait,
2: wait, wait, put me on the spot. We've been doing bears <laughs> unleashed uh, for over a year, and now you're telling me that now you're telling me about the taco. What's your favorite taco spot? Scott, you got to have one like a go to. Don't I tell don't... me you don't like tacos.
3: I mean, I I love tacos,
2: and don't yeah. say Taco Bell.
3: No, no, I I lived. I used to live right across the street from Bar Cocina in like okay. Lakeview, but it was like kind yeah, of hit or like miss. Yeah, it's yeah. it like a bougie spot. It's not like authentic. I need like a good, authentic taco spot in yeah. the city, because like I feel like the ones I've gone to are just like trying to be... Okay. Cool, you know, trying to be cool and I just need like good authentic. I'm trying to think there's one in Lincoln Park I just ordered from not too long ago it Taco it was Bell. so good. It was not Taco Bell. <laughs> it was not Taco Bell, it was fantastic though. I got to remember right. who it was. All
2: right. Well, there there is uh, obviously some some real good ones. El Patron okay. o- over on Fullerton just west of Central Park. They got real steak. That's that's the that's how you can really Ooh, tell a good yeah. taco in Chicago if it's like the real small cut small, up steak. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. You want like that sliced skirt steak. El Patron has okay. it.
3: I'm making a list.
2: Yeah. Let's oh, just stop right there. Just go to, <laughs> go to El Patron. <laughs> well, that's easy. <laughs> go to El Patron. And then my brother has a couple. He literally just like every single day is putting some taco spot in the in my group chat with my, my buddies and telling us like this is where you need to go. So Cinco okay. de Mayo. I'm sure I'll name a couple of other ones that are out there. But it's a, it's a special day. It's so special that Cubs Sox are not playing today. <laughs> yes. Just so that that way they can go out. A and, much
3: needed break, especially for the Sox.
2: Wait, hold on. We the, the Sox just won two games against the Cubs. Mm-hmm. No break needed. We're on a roll right now.
3: Yes, but they've played a lot of games.
2: Yeah. I like what Tony said. He said, hey, you know, just because we're on a two-game win streak, it doesn't mean anything. Get over get over 500. 500.
3: <laughs> yes, I love it. Tony just being Tony, saying, well, we haven't really done anything yet. Uh, let's get above 500, and then we'll
2: talk. I mean, he's, he's, being, he's being honest, though. And right. I, I think, you know, as a Sox fan, I look at this team and I say, oh, this is great. It's like we had a couple games against Mm -hmm. the Cubs. You knew they were going to play hard, but I feel like not many people on that team are as invested in the rivalry as as most are. Whereas, you know, Jose Jose Abreu, the leader for the White Sox in home runs at Wrigley Field, comes and he has that chip on his shoulder (laughs) where he actually wants to win that game more so than anyone else in that space. Well, obviously we're going to talk about that at 720. Initial thoughts, though, about the – Does it have the same, I mean, obviously one team's headed Mm -hmm. towards World Series aspirations (laughs) and the other one is in somewhat of a rebuild. You have your friends here in the city. Did they Mm -hmm. feel like the energy was there for it?
3: I don't think the weather helped. I think that played, you know, we we talked about it on the elevator ride up here that we were not going to talk about the weather because it's depressing everybody. But that part of it, I think, plays a role. But I did see the video Of the beer snake that united both Cubs and White Sox fans. So you know that they were having fun. You know that they were enjoying it. But do I think it holds that rivalry? No. Of course not. Because it's two different teams on two different levels. So that's not...
2: The the beer snake thing, it just seems very (laughs) Wrigley Field to me. I need you to focus on the game.
3: Yeah. Like, stop horsing around.
2: (laughs) You're giving Sox fans ammunition to talk trash about you. Because they already say that you don't pay attention. And now... The fact that you're building this seven story high <laughs> beer snake thing that's going on, but I will say this, still impressive. No matter, no it's matter. It's always impressive. Have you ever and been you a part d- of that?
3: No, I'm not a big beer snake gal. If I'm in the bleachers, <laughs> <laughs> it's I don't drink a lot of beer, so I wouldn't part. I just like to count up like how much money is the snake always. Like, there's so many cups that you're thinking to yourself, like, how much is a beer at Wrigley? This is why we're
2: friends, because those are things that we think about together. i <laughs> like, literally how much money have these
3: people oh, been spending gosh. over
2: here? <laughs> you know who, who I think about? I think about the Ricketts pockets.
3: Like, yes. Wow. wow.
2: They're making all this. Are you a fan of the bleachers at Wrigley Field?
3: Yeah, I enjoyed have it. A, my have first... you ever been a bleacher bum? No. That was, like, my first... So, my first time, like, enjoying Wrigley not working or covering it was in the bleachers. So, I got oh. the... I liked it. It was different. It was different experience. Um, But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't like the, it depends what mood I'm in. I go to a baseball game where I want to just like enjoy the game. I like the two teams. I want to, I have that mode. And then I have like the, you know, there's the party bleachers mode. So like if you're in that section and you're not down to party with the beer snake, it could be kind of annoying.
2: I went to Lane Tech and every so often we'd. Make our way over there for a one o'clock game, and one of the girls' basketball coaches—my girlfriend at the time—played basketball at Lane, and her coach was like the head of security over there. So he would just let us sneak into the to the bleachers. We'd walk over there and just <laughs> kind of sneak in. So bleachers, even though I wasn't a Cubs fan, I still want to go. Yeah, there. I, I love still... free tickets. I take them from six seventy to score all the t- <laughs> all the time. Oh, nice! But I. I I will say there's something about being in the bleachers or just in the home run area. If you're a true fan, mm-hmm. just like you said, the environment, the atmosphere is fun. I didn't like the fights that I saw. There was some, no. cub, did you see the cub on cub? Yeah. Violence the slow-mo
3: fights that, that were going back. They looked like they were fighting backwards. It was so bad.
2: And then someone kicked Buddy in the head. And I was like, yo, I always say this when, I don't want to say when I'm fighting, but <laughs> when people are fighting, I'm always just like, don't kick in the head like that. Like, you know, you're gonna fight, fight like like don't like you could have killed him right there.
3: Here's an idea: don't fight at a baseball game if
2: you're over. Okay, at what age should fighting nah, stop?
3: Like just grow up,
2: studs. I need you to answer this because you seem like you're a hothead. <laughs> Our producer Adam Staczynski. At what age? I'm, you seem like a young guy still. I'm 32. Young guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
4: At what? I'll be honest with you. I'm not a big fighter. I'm more. I'm much more. I I figured out when I was. I don't know. 14 or 15, I don't like getting punched in the head.
2: <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? This, I'm not about this life. For, so anyway, I'm not a big fighting guy, but okay. I don't know. After yeah, okay, college... So, so how about this then? You're out with your buddies, right? You're having a, a drink, let's say Lakeview, whatever, Wrigleyville. At, like you, You're telling them like, yo, we should not be doing this because we are X age. Like, What age is that?
4: Oh, I don't know. Mid-25 mid 25 maybe? 25. So Mid-20s? Yeah. yeah, once you're, you know, get, get out of college, a couple more years yeah. after that. Yeah, it's, yeah late you know, 20
2: sounds about right. Mid twenties, you might still be figuring life out. You might have had a bad breakup or something like that. X might have cheated on you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so so mid twenties, late twenties, you should definitely understand that you should not be fighting at all. Yeah. See, I'm the guy that's always calming my friends down. It's oh, like, okay. Dude, what are you oh, yeah. Studs, <laughs> so, you need to come out. with I just ball, feel like yeah. at a
3: baseball game of all, like I understand why people get in fights. You're drunk. I know, but I guess and that's it's yeah. I guess. But why are you fighting each other? If it was Cubs and Sox fans fighting, I would maybe understand it. I know what happened.
2: but The guy was like, dude, we're building a beer snake. Give me your, give me your cups." <laughs> and then the, the other guy was like, nah, dude, I got some rise. love. And he's like,
3: dude, just give me the damn Cubs, man. Slam and then- it. Slam it. We need that cup right now.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Cubs, of course, lost their two games to the Chicago mm-hmm. White Sox. Tuesday and Wednesday, Sox have an upcoming series against the Boston Red Sox over the mm-hmm. weekend. Then Cleveland and then Yankees come to town. Have you ever been to Boston? Ever been to uh, Fenway? No, that is one I've, I've on my list. It was beautiful. I actually got to see Chris Sale pitch over there when he was still with the White Sox. And but the, the if you've never been, it's one of those things. It looks beautiful, but once you get there, you realize like, oh no, this is an old stadium. I forgot I have to yeah. deal with the old stadiums. So, like the seats are so narrow, mm-hmm. as if you still were in nineteen seventeen and you weighed hundred and seven pounds. <laughs> yeah. So for regular folk like most of us, we just you don't fit. The the it looks a little I will say but uh they have like a you know like a like a Waveland Avenue type vibe where they have a, a, a strip of bars That's that you can cool. go to yeah. so it's still fun but they're 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 a mess out there in Boston so I'm sure all, shout out to all the Sox fans that are either heading to the airport right now or going to be mm-hmm. over the weekend so that that way uh, you can catch that series going to be a one, fights with Red Sox fans especially if you're in your late twenties <laughs> don't do it all right. Uh, again, Gabe Ramirez, she's Caitlin Sharkey. We are gonna be holding you guys down till nine o'clock today. Uh, again, we have some phenomenal guests on the show, but I do got to remind you, a guest that is going to blow your socks off is Ryan Poles, Chicago Bears GM. He is going to be joining Mully and Hall tomorrow morning, eight AM. Make sure you set your alarm for that because I know you're gonna to want to hear what Ryan Poles has to say about this draft.
3: Absolutely. That's a must listen.
2: I, I mean, geez. It's
3: rookie minicamp weekend. I just like it's exciting.
2: Like you literally get to have, shout out Mully and Hall. Shout, shout out their. There you go, studs. As a as a new guy here to the score, how does that happen? Is that Bears reaching out to us to get him on, or is that somebody trying to work that to get him on there? Usually a collaborative effort. Maybe okay. oh, boy. Maybe, maybe <laughs> so, like bear-sized. usually someone from
4: usually like around this time, yeah. various times a year, will say, "Hey, we should try to get the the higher ups on." So someone from the station will oh, reach out. It.
2: Yeah, so we we probably had a couple people reaching out. Because I'll be honest, Caitlin and Studs, in the back of my mind, when I got the text message, I thought to myself, oh. Well, maybe I can tell Adam to reach out to, <laughs> reach out to Ryan, if we can get him on. Yeah, let me you know. just text yeah, him. You know, and that's what
3: I was. I'm sure he's was, not busy at 7 p.m. on you know, a we, Thursday. we, <laughs> yeah, we hasn't we some, seen his family at all in the last six know, months. But, slept
2: at the yeah. slept at Hallis Hall. No, no big deal. <laughs> get him on. All right. Well, yeah, shoot him a text. No yeah, big deal. Me yeah, and yeah. Ryan are, are good buds. That's what I, And that's what I thought. I thought. I thought everybody here at the score. Well, whatever. Anyway, Ryan polls <laughs> Mullian Hall 8 a.m. tomorrow. Make sure you're listening out for that. But right on the other side of this, we are going to be talking to MLB.com White Sox beat writer Scott Merkin. And that way we can go a little bit more in depth on Cubs versus Sox and what to expect over the weekend from this White Sox-Red Sox series. I'm Gabriel Ramirez. She's Kaitlin Sharkey. More on the way right here on 670 The Score.
1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
4: I will not be concerned about this offense until I see a sustained amount of good weather that hitters can really hit in where they can feel their hands, where they can hit an inside fastball and not feel it four innings later. If they get to the point where the weather is pretty decent and they're still not scoring, then something's going to have to be done. I don't know what that something is, but then I'll be more concerned about the offense than I am now. We're hitting in weather, and last night certainly wasn't extreme, but it's been much colder than it probably should be at this time of year.
2: That's Steve Stone talking to Parkinson Spiegel about the White Sox hitting quote-unquote woes. I mean, listen, he got golden pipes, man. Anytime Steve Stone can make his way mm-hmm. onto our show, we're going to... St- studs, line him up. Line all the <laughs> highlights of Steve Stone up. I don't mind doing that. I'm Gabe Ramirez. She's Kaitlin Sharkey. And joining us right now on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, from MLB.com, the White Sox beat writer, Scott Merkin. What's up, Scott? Welcome to the show.
4: How you guys doing? I'm actually standing on a corner in North End in Boston right now. So, oh. you know, keeping with the theme of, I read today that Take It Easy is 50 years old. How about that?
2: Oh, wow. wow. The,
4: song, the song itself. So it means it came out 20 years before I was born, of course. I'm kidding.
2: I was going to say, now you're giving up your age, Scott.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was 20 years before I was born. <laughs>
2: well, before we get to talking about the uh, White Sox-Red Sox series over the weekend, I just want to backtrack a little bit and talk about the Cubs series that just took place. Did you feel as though the White Sox addressed that and, and, and went into that two-game set like, "Hey, this is an opportunity for us to get back on track," or did you really think that they looked at it as a rivalry game?
4: I think probably a little bit of both. I, you know, I think Lucas Giolito said it very well after the game last night, in that I was I wasn't on that game Sunday, but it sounds like that ninth inning against the Angels on Sunday really kind of. Turned things around a little bit. You know, they were down 6 nothing. They had really done nothing against Michael Lorenz in the whole game. Score five runs, load the bases, and, you know, get the winning run at second base to, you know, pull off a, a tremendous upset. And even, even without getting the win, it kind of turned things around. You know, and I got to say, in hindsight, obviously the Sox and Cubs are in different directions right now. The Sox are a World Series contender. The Cubs are at the start of another rebuild. But they were two really competitive games. You know, I mean, the Cubs probably didn't have a great chance on that Tuesday night game in the middle of December, um, which was one of the worst weather conditions I think I've ever seen in 20 years (laughs) covering baseball. But, you know, last night's game was, was right down to the wire. I mean, you know, great finish to the game. So I I think it brings out the best in both teams. And I think it can only help the Sox. And they now, you know, come on the road where they have not done very well of late, but they're against a team that, you know, when I got here today, they lost eight, nothing to Otani and the angels, the red Sox, and they're struggling a little bit. So, I think it was both. I think it's still the rivalry. I think it's not as big a rivalry anymore because there was a time where, you know, that was the big thing, winning the head to head matchup. But now both teams have won World Series titles. So that's the goal. You know, it's nice to have the city bragging rights, of course. But, you know, I think you, I I think if you called up Rick Hahn right now and said, hey, Rick, uh, you're going to lose the next two games, a guaranteed rate, but you're going to win into the Cubs, but you're going to win the World Series here. I think he'd be perfectly fine. I think he'd like to do both. I think he'd like to win both and win the World Series, but I think he'd trade in a couple losses to the Cubs to win the World Series, that's for sure.
3: Scott, Tony La Russa talked about just getting over 500 for this team, and they're dealing with some injuries right. they have from the very beginning. Now Andrew Vaughn is going on the IL as well is it going to require just some good old fashioned patience when watching this kind of white Sox team develop? And as they, like, like you said, they pick up some ground against the Cubs as, as a rivalry kind of standpoint and kind of maybe mentally, but is there just going to need some patience to get this team to where they're expected to be?
4: Absolutely. Kayla. I mean, the biggest thing is when you're struggling like this, when you're a good team as the Sox definitely are. And you're dealing with, you know, key injuries, Gary Crochet, Lance Lynn, Eloy Jimenez, you know, Andrew Vaughn now, you, you can't bury yourself. So, I mean, I don't think there's any worries for this team unless they, you know, fall 10, 12 games under 500 where it takes a couple weeks just to get to break even, or you, you fall 10 to 12 games behind the Twins where it takes, you know, a lot of perfect baseball the rest of the way to make that up. Even if they enter June three, four games out of first, four, or five, whatever, that can be turned around very quickly. You just don't want to look up one day and say, okay, we're healthy. We're playing well. Oh, geez. We're 11 under and 13 back. You know, that takes a little, even if you're a really good team, that takes a little work to get back in. So you're right patience and knowing that this is a solid group and they know it's, and things are going to come around. And eventually, it may be August, but we're going to have, no, I guess next week, right, it's supposed to be good weather. So (laughs) that's that's going to help everyone, too, So on both teams. So you got to be careful on both at that point. But, yeah, I agree with you. It's just be patient. It's hard to do, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we all have teams that we're fans of, and no one is patient when you're a fan. So I get that. You know, they want the Sox to be unbeaten at this point. But I think they're still in a very good position, even though they entered tonight, went three and a half games out of first place.
2: He's Scott Merkin from MLB.com, the White Sox beat writer. Scott, Kaitlin and I, as we were riding the elevator upstairs to 670, the score, I looked at her and I said, I know we're not supposed to talk about weather, <laughs> but damn, like, this, this is where's our spring at? What's going on? It's like baseball, if they ever needed a reason to push back the season, this spring would actually uh, be just that. I'm Gabriel Ramirez. She's Caitlyn Sharkey. You mentioned a second ago some of the injuries to the pitching staff of the Chicago White Sox, but when you look at the run differential, Right now, minus 18 it's more because of the bats do you see that being an indicator of the white Sox team and who they are right now or do you feel like that number is going to drastically change come the end of the season
4: yeah i think run differential can be good at times but it's also gonna be a little misleading like I, I don't know for a fact but i think the cubs are like maybe minus two or minus right three, around yep. break even but they also beat the Pirates 21 nothing in one game, right? <laughs> so that's going to influence your run differential quite a bit right there. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Sox, let, let's not, you know, hide the fact the Sox have not played great baseball through the first 24 games of the year, and really, I guess, the last 16, right? They started off 6-2, and two, and then they lost eight in a row and kind of struggled. So, I mean, you can say that. You can say they have not played great baseball. They have not hit the ball consistently and still say, I wholeheartedly believe this team is going to be a playoff team and win the AL Central. I think they both can coexist, and I think that offense is going to come around. I think you're going to see more from A.J. Pollock. Andrew Vaughn's going to get healthy. Yon Moncada will be back next week for the homestand. You know, uh, Jose Abreu heats up as the weather heats up. You know he you know at the end of the year you're going to look at his numbers. It's going to be 270 at least, 30 home runs, 100 RBIs. Monty Grandal is going to hit. I mean, it, it's it's all there. It's They have guys who – have numbers on the back of their baseball cards that are impressive for a reason. They're good hitters. They're good offensive players. So yeah, I think the run differential shows for them, they have not played great baseball early on, but I think that can change much like their standing and their record very quickly.
3: Scott, I I want to talk about pitching for a minute and I want to talk about Dylan Cease because there's a lot of things that are impressive already about what he's been able to do this season. But I think the part that is most interesting to me in reading and hearing how he talks about himself and his pitching performances like, yeah, they're okay, Or, yeah, that's okay, Or this isn't the best yet. Right. When he's putting up such great numbers and really kind of coming into his own. What impresses you about maybe, yes, his pitching, but also his mindset that he is a long way from being finished or where he wants to be?
4: Kaylin, I thought you were going to say the most impressive thing about him is his psychic powers that he showed off on <laughs> I Tuesday I thought you were going to say about. the
2: mustache. <laughs> <laughs> that mustache. Well, oh, yeah, is yeah, I'm not
4: sure that's the most impressive, but I think the, uh, that's the most questionable, maybe. But the psychic powers where he predicted a Tim Anderson home run when he was yes. mic'd up for that game, even though wind was blowing 23 miles an hour, like you know, like in a circular motion. But yeah, I, you know, I, I talked to him a little bit yesterday at Wrigley, and I was asking him about, you know, did this really? Begin for you in that 2020 playoffs where they passed over him as the third starter in that Oakland wildcard series, because he did not finish the year very well. And he admitted to me in that offseason that he didn't deserve to be the third starter hmm. and he, in that series. And he kind of laughed and he said, no, that's, this has started way before that. This has started when I was like 16 years old. And I think he's just very honest. He knows as well as he's pitching right now. And the biggest thing for him is he's got command of four pitches. He's throwing strikes. And as, as impressive as the strikeout numbers are, I think it's more impressive that he's not walking, guys. You know, he's attacking the zone. But he knows he's just getting started. You know, I mean, think about it. When they get healthy, this is taking away from no one else on that staff. But you're going to have Cease, Lucas Giolito, Michael Kopech, and Lance Lynn. And in any series, including a playoff series, that's a pretty good quartet to put up against, you know, even the best of offenses. So you're right. I mean, I I don't even know if it's so much humble for Dylan as just honest. You know, that he's he, – he. you could tell how good he felt in that Angels game, because he, like you said, he actually came out afterwards and said, yeah, that was, you know, one of the best starts of my career. I did ask him afterwards, by the way, uh, just kind of shooting the breeze, if it was more impressive to strike out Trout three times or get the three hits in the game against the Reds last year <laughs> when he uh, he pulled the bunt back and doubled off the right field wall. And he thought, and he said the three hits, but he said the Trout strikeouts are pretty close. So oh. that, that it's, it's an it's an impressive pitcher to have. And, you know, part of a good group that's going to be leading that rotation soon.
2: If Trout would have a World Series under his belt, maybe it'd be more impressive. But right now he's just like, ah, eh, Trout. Pitchers
3: love, though, think, when they rake, you know, and they can hit.
4: <laughs> exactly. I think the, he told me in, uh, I think it was in Detroit when I talked to him, that he said he was disappointed that DH was taken away. He loved the hit, he said. Stop and he said his dad, <laughs> he, he was a shortstop when he was younger, and his dad kind of pushed him to keep hitting, and he said, Dad, they come to see me pitch. That's right. it, so I'm going I'm to stick with pitching.
2: I love it. It's good to see, because we saw glimpses of it in the last couple of years, but it's great to actually see his success happen, even though it was only for one start. Scott Merkin joining us right here on 670 The Score. Gabe Ramirez, Caitlin Sharkey. Let's talk about the offensive side of the ball, and someone specific that I want to ask you about is Laurie Garcia. I mean, people either love him or hate him, and then he goes and smacks a solo shot against the Cubs.
4: Right.
2: What, what's your favorite thing? about Laurie,
4: my favorite thing about him yeah well two things a he's he's a good dude you know it's, it's three things good dude very versatile player and has a birthday on march 18th which is also shared by myself <laughs> so there you go so there, the, 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 there's three great things out there but you know what i think if Liuri garcia whatever he's doing is the biggest problem you have on your franchise then i think you're okay because you know he's going to perform and i think he's starting to come around a little bit People were a little upset when he was hitting third or hitting second, and I I really do believe that was a move by Tony Larusa, knowing that he was going to use Leary during the season. I mean, Leary had a, had good numbers last year. I think he hit one of the you know most powerful moments in White Sox postseason history in the last what ten years, twelve years with that home run in uh, Game Three last year against Houston. So I think Tony was trying to get him in bats and trying to get him going, and you know it hasn't it hadn't worked so far. And now he's back to playing more of a you know semi regular role instead of playing every day, and I think that will continue as you know the lineup gets healthier and Moncada comes back and everything else. But, but, but Scott, he's Scott, a good guy to have. But, but why he's do a people, guy to have. Why do
2: you think people hate him then? I don't know.
4: If they hate him. Okay. I don't know if anyone hates anyone, but they dislike
2: him being on the roster. They get, upset,
4: they get upset because they don't see him. You know, let's be honest. We have a, a great discipline in baseball now with analytics. You know, you can you can quantify a lot of things in different ways than you couldn't before. But I think sometimes people you know, I think it's almost kind of like the political system is that if you're on one side, you maybe don't always see the other side. And I'm as guilty as anyone else because I'm more old school. So I'm more like, okay, I can see what Jose Abreu does not the field. I don't need to know that he's, you know, got this expected slugging or this expected on base. I know what he's going to do. And I think sometimes on the other side the people who are, you know, very dedicated analytics don't see the value in, you know, the other things too. And the the biggest thing with Leary is, you know, he's not supposed to be an everyday guy. He's kind of a semi-regular guy. And I think when he was playing every day and he wasn't hitting and they weren't winning, the combination was, you know, he got, he got taken to task in the public forum, but again, great guy, works his tail off and will be a, a key contributor in this team in some form, not saying every day, but in some form during this 2020 season. Remember, if he plays out this full contract, he will play twelve years with the White Sox, oh which is God. pretty amazing.
2: Wow, <laughs> wow that is. I Sounds impressive. like me at B ninety six in the score. It's like <laughs> he was there for that long. Why? Oh, Why? <laughs> I
3: love that. Well, Scott, you said you were in. You're in Boston, and we were just yes. talking about Fenway. I haven't been there yet, but when you go to uh, Boston on your trips covering the Sox, what is like one thing you have to do, have to eat, or have to see when you're there?
4: So North End where I'm at right now is the great area with all these restaurants of authentic Italian food and it's tremendous. And my friend, Jen Royal, who used to be in broadcasting, she used to work for yes. She used to work for uh Nesson out here in Boston. She used to work in Baltimore. She opened a restaurant down here in North end uh, called table Mercado. I'm sitting outside it right now, as a matter of fact. So I would highly recommend about halfway through the, the meal that she presents with the other people in here. And it's tremendous. So I think North end is a, great area especially if you love italian food and i think if you live in chicago you're required to love italian food right so i would say that's a place to go to and then of course you want to see fenway i mean fenway is iconic it's amazing when you get there and i always try to get to fenway a little earlier just so i can walk around it a little bit but that's just a couple things that you know jump to mind when we're talking about boston
2: awesome look at that
3: on um, my I'll put it on my list fenway's been on my list for a very long time so hoping
4: there's yeah, got it's it's I think I've now seen every park but Atlanta. I think that's what I'm down to in terms of major league parks, and including some that don't exist anymore.
2: Well, I know what you're doing this summer. Or maybe winter. Who knows? <laughs> uh, Scott Merkin, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. You were an absolute pleasure.
4: Anytime, guys. Thanks cool. for having me.
2: MLB.com, White Sox beat writers. Scott Merkin joining us. I'm Gabe Ramirez. She's Caitlin Sharkey. This is 670 The score. And right after this, I, I, we should have told him to take a damn shot. Cinco de Mayo, and he's at a spot like that. You got to take a <laughs> shot at tequila. I, we Actually, we should have had tequila in here. It's the late show. We could do anything. Yeah. All right. Got to have a
3: sponsor for that.
2: <laughs> I'll work on that right after this. So, NBA playoffs, even though there's no games today, there is a series in particular that we're wondering, will the opposing team win one game? Will they? Well, we're going to talk to sports anchor from WSVN in Miami, Josh Moser, so that that way he can let us know if Philadelphia can take one. We'll do that next right here on 670 The Score.
5: The <laughs> final seconds as the Miami Heat make the early statement to open up this Eastern Conference semifinal.
2: That's the final call. Heat Sixers right there on TNT. Chuck and Shaq, they do a phenomenal job with Ernie Kenny. I love Best watching show. them. Mm-hmm. It's so you know what? And we know why it's great, because they 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 joke on each other.
3: They're themselves.
2: They're themselves. Mm-hmm. I remember first day on the set with Caitlin when we were doing Bears Unleashed. I was like, hey guys, somebody make fun of me. <laughs> right? I was like, somebody make fun of and me. I said, no, because I want to make fun of you guys, and I don't <laughs> want this to be awkward and uncomfortable, but that's what makes a good show. And sure, Caitlin to this day, she just texts me randomly. Oh, your picture on Instagram looks ridiculous. Your hair is uh, and I was like, all right. I said I said during the show, not in my regular life, oh, Caitlin.
3: Oh, noted, noted. I'm Gabe
2: Ramirez. She's Caitlin Sharkey. This is 670 the score. We were talking a second ago about Miami and Philadelphia, and you you asked the question, is Philadelphia gonna win one? Jeez. And mm-hmm. my my initial thought would be if Joel and B can come back, then sure.
3: Sure. And he really wants to play and you know, they're, they're, that is obviously a game changer if he is able to play, but it's not sounding promising at this point. So that means that it's not promising for Philly.
2: It's almost like Philly has a Chicago curse right now. I feel like those are things that happen to Chicago teams. Yeah. Somebody gets hurt during the playoffs, and, and then you have, you know, you're, the rest of your life you're like, yeah, but 2022. <laughs> if Joel wouldn't have been hurt. <laughs> if Derrick Rose didn't go down that year, if Lou dang would have stood healthy, Bulls could
3: have.
2: That's how I feel right now for them. Well, you know what? Some of that might be a bit happy that Joel Embiid hasn't played the first two games, but we'll get his opinion on whether or not they can take one from the Miami Heat. The sports anchor from WSVN in Miami. Welcome to the show, Josh Moser. Josh, what's up? I'm
5: actually standing right outside Wells Fargo Center. We're getting the party started a little bit early. Thanks for having me on.
3: Hey, Josh. It's great to hear from you. And uh, oh. I know you're holding it down in the 305, but right now you're in Philly following this playoff run, but uh, it's, it's great to talk to you.
4: Oh,
5: absolutely. And, and for everyone listening, I don't know if anyone's been to Philadelphia, but the setup here is amazing. You've got the baseball field, Citizens Bank Park, then you've got Lincoln Financial Field, and the Wells Fargo Center. I'm literally looking at all three right now plus the downtown landscape. It's such a cool setup here. It's
2: it's special. It's unique. Josh, I'll tell you this: there's no better thing than going to a city and realizing that they planned it properly. Yes, <laughs> you're talking about like like oh, when yeah. you go to Detroit, you know, the Lions mm-hmm. and the Tigers right it's next to right each there. other. It's I all,
3: love the sports mecca, like entertainment centers that they have. We're just all of the sports. It's a one-stop
2: shop. Makes I sense. love it. I love it. It makes complete sense. All right. Well, you are in Philadelphia for Game Three. Let's just. I'll, I'll ask the question first: Is Philly going to win one in this series? What do you think?
5: You know, it's really hard to pick against the home team, but just down Joel Embiid for game three, I, I think I'm, I'm going to favor the Heat. Um, I, I think it's tough to win four in a row. I'm going gentlemen's sweep, so I do think they get one. I think it's going to be four games to one. They do get one here. Uh, it's, a, it's all up to Joel Embiid. I mean, I think he's probably the MVP of the league. Uh, I, he's not playing, obviously, in game three, but it's so hard to come back from a three-games-to-none series. So if, if they're down 3-0, are you going to play him or not? you got to weigh the long-term. And I would I would lean more towards from everything that I've been hearing that he's going to be out and remain out. But uh, I'll give him one game. Uh, maxi has been phenomenal. You know, James Harden could turn it on here. They've really shut him down. They've made him really ineffective. That's been the biggest difference. But they've wanted to stop Tyrese Maxi, and he's been scoring at will. And, and they've got Tobias Harris, who's another nice piece. But simply the Heat bench, they're just too deep. They can go 11 deep. They've only gone nine. And you really see it in the second half where the Heat just – pull away and the other team just runs out of gas
3: yeah and Philly their bench isn't really doing much of anything and Josh if you look at you know if the Philly fan base is saying well we would beat Miami if we had Joel like if we had Embiid we had Embiid we didn't have Embiid all these excuses and they're they're you know reasonable ones he is one of those kind of players that can make an impact in that certain way but what is Miami doing well also that you know leads to their success not just the fact that Embiid isn't playing in these games
5: It's defense, and really that's been their identity all year. They've really forced Philly to be in the half court, which isn't their strength. They like to get up and down. But if you really watch what they're doing with James Harden, they took away Trey Young so well in their first series against Atlanta, and they've really tried to do that here. Uh, In game two, you saw P.J. Tucker pick up James Harden's full court, denied him the entire way, and that just type of pestering just builds. And as you get deeper into the series, we saw it with Trey Young. It's just so frustrating and, and they just feel helpless. And so now that you've taken your main score away, or at least making him as ineffective as possible, you know, give him twenty, there's just not enough pieces. And that's Eric Spolstra. That has everything to do with him. He's like, I'm gonna take your best piece away if someone else pops off for a great So That's the
4: basic that fire hockey sense. They're gonna lock you down, they're
5: gonna put them up, they're long, they're
2: yeah, I totally understand that. You, you Listen, when you have a guy like P.J. Tucker, it's such a great asset to have. I think mm-hmm. during the regular season, you don't place the same value on a defensive lockdown guy like him or Pat Bev as you do in the playoffs, where you genuinely need to take and rid yourself of one of their main scorers, whether it be uh, Trey Young or, again, James Harden. This is uh, Josh Moser joining us from WSVN in Miami. Josh, is he he still on the line right there? Okay, I got you. Don't worry about it. Did I lose you? Oh, there you go, Josh. There we go. There you go. Uh, Yeah, we lost you for a second. we just know, for a second, just listen, for a second. You're in Philly. We understand how their fans are. They probably just like hacked into oh, man, your phone a- somehow. I got to call them up. <laughs> <laughs> you're in Philly. Like I said, they're playing a little ga- uh, game on you. So l- let me ask you about the Miami team. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Miami. Not necessarily some of their pieces, <clears throat> Jimmy Butler, but <laughs> I like the team. I like the makeup. I think it has. I think it has a you know three point. You got great three point shooting. You got great defense. And if you can, if you need a bucket in mm-hmm. crunch time, you can go to Jimmy to get it. This, which is why I put money on them to win the East before the playoffs started. But let me talk specifically about Duncan Robinson. I've been hearing and reading rumors about his future with the team. Are the Miami Heat unhappy with him?
5: No, not at all. I mean, you go back to game one of the playoffs. It was him setting a franchise record with eight. And you've just seen Max Shrews take his spot is really the biggest difference. He has developed, especially on the defensive end, He's shooting the ball at a higher clip and he's taken his spot. It's not that Duncan has done anything wrong. It's just that his shots aren't falling. And Max has been the piece. Now they paid Duncan Robinson $90 million this offseason, And that's a lot for, you know, an undrafted player started not even in division one, made his way to Michigan, but they paid him a lot of money and he's just lost a spot. So I don't know what the trade market would be if he's asked out. I don't know if anyone's going to pick up that salary, but right now he's at the bottom of the rotation, got in and I think the final minute of game two, didn't play at all in game one of this series, but it's just unfortunate timing for him is really all that it is. But there's, there's no dissension within the team. There's, there's nothing that's like, you know, he's fallen out of favor, but uh, I just saw him here at dinner at the team hotel. Everyone was together. So uh, from what it seems and from what we're seeing with our eyes, uh, those appear to be rumors from the outside.
3: 90 million. love to see that for Duncan Robinson. (laughs) Off the street. Yeah, that's fantastic for him. Um, Josh, if you're looking ahead, so let's say the Heat, you know, complete this gentleman's sweep and they go and move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. What team do you want to see them match up with in the next round? And who do you think they'll match up with in the next round?
5: I mean, selfishly, I want to see Milwaukee come down, <laughs> shoot down to you guys, visit some old stomping grounds, go to Carnivore. Uh, but, you know, there's just something about the Celtics in the playoffs. I'm from Los Angeles, and I remember those Lakers-Celtics series. And it used to be the heat and the Knicks, like the old Pat Riley days of just brutal, physical basketball. Uh, I think, you know, with the Celtics, you're going to see that if they can get healthy. Uh, and then, obviously, if you add Chris Middleton back to the mix with the Bucks, you know it's it's the same scenario. Um, I, I really think it's a coin flip uh, with that series. I, I I just have a feeling that it's going to be Milwaukee. I, I'm a little bit of a homer, but they won last year. Yes, they lost PJ Tucker, who the Heat are ecstatic to have this year. But just Giannis, he's just a transcendent player, and he has the opportunity to. If he asserts himself, there is no one in the world that can stop him. And I, I wouldn't bet against him, but Boston is such a tough place to play. Uh, but I, I'm going to lean towards Giannis. I wish I could give you a better answer on that one, but I, I'm just going with the team that won last year and just covering them. I feel that having been there with this group, they can do it again.
2: I love what P.J. Tucker said about the Milwaukee Bucks. It's how people should treat their relationships. They didn't want me. They told me to go ahead and look around. Well, I don't want you anyway. I'm going to go to the Miami Heat. I love that he said that. Uh, joining us right now on the Circa, Resort, and Casino Hotline Circa, Resort, and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, is Josh Moser from WSVN in Miami. He's actually in Philadelphia right now, ready to cover game three. Let me ask you about the Western Conference. I mean, you said you're from LA, so you're familiar with that, and I'm sure you love some of the teams out there. Well, who's a the team that you like? coming out of the West of the four remaining?
5: Uh well, I, I, I was really, really liking the Warriors, but after what uh, John Moran has been doing, I, I'm second guessing, um, you know, I, I, Phoenix is still a team to beat, you know, um, I, I really think it's their year. I, I, I know just Chris Paul is special in the playoffs. Booker has been so good. I, I, I think they're the team. I, 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 I just, can't say it gut feeling. I really haven't been watching the Western conference too much, to be honest with you, just because I've been so focused on this side. We also have the Panthers in the playoffs, So my life has been uh, all South Florida sports right now, but (laughs) I I just wouldn't bet against the Suns, And I I think uh, they have an easy road and I think they, they pull this one out, but I I would much rather see the warriors, but uh, we'll see what these Grizzlies can do. They're an upstart team that a lot of people aren't talking about, uh, but still can't get over that uh, Dylan Brooks situation. So, um, could be but up, yeah, to, could be up 2-0 right there. now, Josh.
2: Could be up 2-0 <laughs> if John makes could that be. little left-hand layup. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, could be. Uh, quiet owner, like not a lot of people talking about them. I have a, a good friend that was an assistant with the Grizzlies. Is now at Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, he loves the, the culture that they have there, even though it's a small market team. But they're doing a lot of things quietly in the dark, and, and now they're getting to see it on the bigger stage. And I, I think they could surprise a lot of people. I know they're the two-seed, but a lot of people aren't talking about them.
3: That's good stuff. Josh, as we wrap up, if you're like, if you're sitting in Chicago, if you're a Chicago sports fan, but you're still watching, you know, the NBA playoffs and you're watching now getting ready for game three between the Sixers and the Heat, if you're watching the Heat and you go, who should I cheer for? Who's a guy that's just, you know, a good guy. We like to cheer for him. He does things the right way. Who's your guy on that Heat team?
5: Ooh. Man, um, that is a loaded question and a phenomenal (laughs) one to end on.
3: Who's the who's – because, the, you know, don't Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Milwaukee has Bobby Portis. They right. have their, like, cult, you know, fan, you know, favorites. Who's Miami's don't like Bobby Max Portis? Strews
2: because the Bulls <laughs> cut him earlier. We don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear Jimmy Butler because yeah, he's a yeah. former Bull.
5: You know, you know, people don't like Jimmy because, you know, Jimmy's charging people $25 a cup for this <laughs> terrible coffee. Um,
2: <laughs> with a machine but, that he carries
5: around with yeah. him. Which, which he does. Um, you know, I think people really want to root for Bam. And we've seen without Joel Embiid that, you know, he can be the guy 20 and 10 every night. But he's not assertive enough on the offensive end. He's the most likable person, mild-mannered, just fun, jokes, carefree. I mean, he's the guy that everyone can really relate to. But, you know, the star on the team with the little Miami Slash is, you know, from just north of the Milwaukee area. And that's Tyler Hero. You've got him with Jack Harlow. You've got, you know, just everything that he does with his... GQ lookness with all these crazy outfits <laughs> just won the NBA Sixth Man of the Year and then you look at him and you realize that he's still 22 years old and you're like oh my god this guy's ceiling is so ridiculous um, but I, I would say that he's the flash of Miami but I would say like the good humble person that the fans need it would be Bam Adebayo
3: I just love the, the, the personality range that the Heat has for sure
2: championship caliber you know, it all works, That's it right. all works. Mm-hmm. hey Josh thanks so much for hanging out with us today hopefully we can get you back on soon
5: Absolutely. You guys have a wonderful time in Chicago. Thanks for uh, having me on, Caitlin. We will talk
3: soon. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Have fun in Philly.
2: Josh Moser from WSVN in Miami joining us right here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez. She's Caitlin Sharkey. I just can't wait until Tyler Hero shows up to a game and some cornrows. Oh, it's coming. I'm, I'm, wait, I'm <laughs> waiting for it. He's He has to. You just know it's bound to happen. NBA playoffs start back up tomorrow. Should be a good one. Make sure you're locked in for that. And right after this, you know, Caitlin and I – we might have talked about Bears a couple of times or two together. We <laughs> yes, might have a couple sure. conversations about it. Uh, and right after this, we are going to – I want to get Caitlin's, uh, uh Bears draft reaction. Okay, I'm ready. I want to know who's your favorite player and what the, uh, the biggest joke you think is of the draft. <laughs> we'll do that right after this on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention
1: spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.